All right, all right. Thank you for joining this episode of The Gospel Truth. I'm your host, Marlon Wilson. I thank you for joining me. Excited for this one, man. We're going to be debating some Yahweh. We're talking about some Yahweh. Is the angel of Yahweh Yahweh? So it's going to be an exciting one. I have Taylor Stewart and I have Chris Kloss with me. And we're about to have a fantastic debate. These guys, from talking to them before the show started, it sounds like these guys are ready to go and they're revved up. And I thank you for joining me. As always, I do want to go ahead and encourage you to like and follow The Gospel Truth. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you stay in the loop with the gospel truth that's going on. You don't want to miss out on any shows or anything that's coming up here in the future. As always, also, this content is not only on YouTube, but also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So make sure that you are following and subscribing on those platforms as well. Also, all this content is not only on YouTube for your video viewing pleasure, but also on audio. So you could take that option as well. If you'd rather not deal with the YouTube and the streaming, hit the get to that podcast man so you can go ahead and like and follow over at the podcast as well also as always i do have a bunch of shows coming up here in the future that i want you to know about first off coming up october 1st i got matt slick and carlos xavier at 8 p.m eastern standard time is god, god is one person all right so this is going to be a great debate matt slick xavier it's going to be a great one make sure you are staying tuned for this one after that, it's once saved, always saved true. I have AK Richardson versus Tanner Adams. Make sure you view this one. This is going to be a fantastic debate. You don't want to miss out on this one. After that, it's theistic determinism true. I have Chris Date and Dan Chapa. So this is going to be an exciting debate. The- theological determinism is always a fantastic debate. So make sure you're hitting the subscribe and like button on this one. After that, does the Old Testament teach Unitarianism? I have Kelly Power versus Dustin Smith. Make sure you check this one out because it's going to be fire. I'm sure of it. It's going to be straight up fire. So make sure you're coming in and viewing in that debate. All right. All right. So once again, we're, we're excited for this debate, man. The debate is the angel of Yahweh, also Yahweh. It's going to be a great one, guys. You know, hey, do you guys know this is the, the gospel truth? 200th episode? 200 episodes. Can you believe it? I mean, Man, that's amazing, right? That's an amazing thing. God has definitely blessed the platform, and it's uh, it, it, and I'm gonna keep it going, man. I'm not doing anything special for the 200th episode or anything like that. I'm not doing anything special. We just go keep the train rolling, man. You know, and uh, I got to 200 episodes with your help, and I thank everyone out there who has been a faithful viewer and a faithful subscriber uh, to the Gospel Truth for helping me, helping the platform get to 200 episodes. You know, so it's exciting. It's cool, man. And uh, I plan on just keeping this train one rolling, man. As God leads this train, and keep it going, man. So I thank you guys. Uh, that said, I'm going to bring these guys in, Taylor Stewart and Chris Kloss. And like I said, get ready because this is going to be a great one, all right? What's up, guys? What's going on with you? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Thank you guys for joining me on the 200th episode of the Gospel Truth, man. So this is this is good stuff, man. And ain't no other fashion or other way I would like to celebrate 200s with a debate instead of an interview, man. Because that's what the Gospel Truth does, man. The Gospel Truth is interested in articulate conversation. You know, bringing on two individuals who can def- who definitely know their positions and can articulate those positions in a manner that's respectful and, and honoring to the-, the person that you're interlocking with. So it's great, man. But before we jump into this discussion, this debate, I do want to give you guys a chance to introduce yourself to the audience. So starting with Taylor, uh, go ahead and give a quick introduction to yourself, man. 
Okay, so my name is Taylor Stewart, and you can find me on YouTube on Stand on Scripture. I am a Unitarian Messianic, and um, yeah, pretty much do um, call-ins where people can chat and bring their views and opinions, pretty much debates, and sometimes I do little sermons and such. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on. All right, Chris, go ahead and give a quick introduction to yourself. Alrighty, so my name is Chris Claus. If anybody wants to look me up, you can look me up on YouTube under Chris Claus. Uh, so just a little about me. I am a father. I have five children. I'm a husband and I am also a grandfather. I have one grandchild. I love uh, defending the scriptures and I believe that for the 200th episode, is the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, is, is, a, is an appropriate title. Uh, for the 200th episode. Uh, so thank you very much for having me on. All right, guys. Good stuff, man. Once again, we are excited for this one. This is going to be fire, man. I'm excited, man. Let's get this going, all right? All right, once again, the topic is, is the angel of Yahweh also Yahweh? Chris, you're arguing the affirmative in this debate. Taylor, you're arguing the negative in this debate. We're going to start off with 10-minute opening statements. That's going to be followed by five-minute rebuttals. And we're going to have 40-minute cross-examination. Both of you will get two 10-minute opportunities to ask questions. And that's going to be followed with five-minute closings and then some Q&A from the audience. Sounds good? Sounds good. All right, Perfect. Chris, let me know when you're ready, and I will start your time for your 10-minute opening. I'm ready. First off, uh, I would like to thank the host, and as well as my opponent, for accepting me as a replacement for this debate. So I do thank both of you for that. Uh, I'm very sure that this debate will be glorifying to God. Now, just a quick prayer before we get into my opening. I pray, Father, that you provide me with the Holy Spirit today so that the words that I speak are not my own, but the Spirit speaking through me. I pray the words that I speak are clear and concise to solely glorify you. We are nothing and you are everything. And the last thing that I would ask is through this debate, just one person comes to know the true Christ. And I ask this in the name of your glorious Son and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Today's debate is on the title, Is the Angel of the Lord Yahweh? A few things before I start this debate. This debate is not about, is the angel of the Lord Jesus? Which I truly believe, and I would love to do a debate on that, but it's not quite the topic of today's debate. So if my opponent brings up any arguments pertaining to that, I will not be addressing them. I will be focused on the topic of, is the angel of the Lord Yahweh? So in today's debate, it will be my job to provide evidence that the angel of the Lord is Yahweh. And it is my opponent's job to, to provide evidence that the angel of the Lord is not Yahweh. I'd also like to state that just because the term malach is used, it doesn't always mean an angel. It can actually refer to a human being or an angel or even God. The word malach simply means a messenger, as in... Uh, Malachi, where God is the messenger of the covenant. He is the Malach of the covenant in that. So to understand what or who the Malach is, we must look at the context to determine this. I'd also like to point out something that I heard from Reverend Anthony Rogers. He states, in the Hebrew language, language when you have two nouns together and the second is a proper noun it makes both definite 
So the correct way to render Malak Yahweh is the angel of the Lord and not an angel of the Lord. So when we see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, we can come up with two possibilities of who this angel of the Lord is. One being Yahweh and two, an angel sent under the authority of Yahweh. Starting with the evidence that, ain't the, that the angel of the Lord is Yahweh begins back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 16. This is where the angel of the Lord is speaking with Hagar. Genesis 16:10. it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for the multitude. And in uh, Genesis 16:13, she replies with, or sorry, Hagar says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Here, the angel of the Lord tells her something only God could promise, which would be he himself would multiply her seed exceedingly. And after that, he had left. She identifies this angel of the Lord as Yahweh. Notice she did not address the angel of the Lord as a messenger of God, but she identified him as Yahweh. Also, I just want to point out before we move on that in Genesis, it is actually written by Moses. So Moses is telling us that it was the angel of the Lord that came to Hagar. It's not Hagar telling us this. It is Moses telling us this. So Hagar truly believed that uh, this being that came to her was God. Also, this same angel of the Lord came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. In this chapter, Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac because God had commanded him to do this. Now, when we read in verses 12 and 15 to 18, it says, He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Moving on to 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and I will multiply, or sorry, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars in heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And they shall uh, possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Here the angel of the Lord tells Abraham that he has not withheld his son from me, not God, but he says from me. He then goes on to say, because of the obedience, he is going to bless Abraham's descendants. This is important. The angel of the Lord says, you did, you did not withheld your son from me, and then I will multiply your seed. Again, claiming the prerogatives that solely belong to God. Continuing on in Genesis 31, we see the angel of the Lord comes to Jacob. And this is in 11, sorry, Genesis 31, verses 11 to 13. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle, ring-stracked, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban had done unto thee. 
I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. Now, why would the angel of the Lord say, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar to me? Well, we must go back three chapters, and this is in Genesis chapter 28. We read, And he dreamed and beheld a ladder set up on the earth, and at the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angel of, angels of God ascending and descending on it. And beheld, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land wherein thou liest. To thee I will give it and thy seed. So God came to Jacob in a dream, and when Jacob woke up, we see in 18 and on, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took that stone that he had put for his pillow, and he set up a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it, and he called that name the place of Beth, or called that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. So, the angel of the Lord in Genesis 31, when he said, You anointed a pillar for me, he was telling him that he was the Lord God who came to him in the dream. In Genesis 32, 30, Jacob tells us who he believes that angel of the Lord to be, which says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The next instance I would like to point out as well is that Moses also had an encounter with the angel of the Lord at the burning bush, as it says, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 and verse 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and, he, and looked and beheld, and the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Here again, the angel of the Lord identifies himself as Yahweh God. So since we know that the angel of the Lord is identified as God, that, uh, that would bring that would bring me back to my initial comparison on the angel of the Lord being Yahweh or being an angel sent under the authority of God, also known as the law of agency. So to, so to understand this, we must be able to understand that there are prerogatives that solely belong to God and no other created being. One cannot simply claim that, that a created being has the exact prerogatives that God has. If one had that view, they then they would not be able to notice any difference between God or a created angel. Also, by necessity, they would worship that angel as well. I would put forward that I would put forward that God's omniscience, the power to give life, forgiving of sins, and being worshipped are prerogatives that solely belong to God. So for my opponent today, he will actually have to deal with the biblical verses and not just simply push them aside, as I've seen him do in previous debates. If my opponent professes that the angel of the Lord is a created being and only comes in the authority of God, then he must also profess that angels and God have the identical characteristics and they share the same prerogatives as God does, which I believe would go against what God said in Isaiah, where he says, I'm the Lord God, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. 
So to, so to conclude in my presentation, I provided evidence that the angel of the Lord has omniscience, also has the power to give life, also shows the ability to forgive sins, and is being worshipped. Now, there are many other places that I can go to show that the angel of the Lord is Yahweh, but I chose a few specific stories so my opponent cannot say that I gave too many arguments to address. I will close with this, and I want everyone that listens to this debate to pay close attention to both speakers and decide which of one of us is providing proper evidence for his argument. Also, for further information, please follow Reverend Anthony, Roger, Anthony Rogers. He has tons of material on the angel of the Lord. So that would conclude my opening statement. Thank you very much, and God bless. All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for that opening statement. All right, Taylor, you're up for your 10-minute opening. Yeah, I forgot to mention, guys, that little chime that you heard over there, I guess, over your mic, over your, your earplugs. It's a one-minute warning. Uh, let you know you have one minute to conclude. So uh, that's it, Taylor. Let me know you're ready, and I'll restart your time. I'm ready. All right, you got so, it. So I'm going to be shown literally to the root of the word, which is Malach, um, which is literally a messenger. Now, logically, Yehovah can't be someone he sends, and I'm going to prove that as well. First, we're going to go to um, Haggai 2 verse 1, where it literally uses the same Adonai, um, Malach Adonai, or yod Vav here, and it calls him the messenger or the angel or the Malach of Yehovah. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of Yehovah came through the prophet Sian. And I think it's verse 3 where it says, the messenger um, Malach Adonai in regards to Haggai himself. According to Jewish uh, JewsforJudaism.org, it says, some Trinitarians claim that whenever the scripture mentions Malach Adonai yod vav here, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord um, Jesus is Jesus. They translate all the passages mentioning such an angel as the angel of the Lord, although the Hebrew may as well just mean an angel of the Lord, which by the way, out of um, quotes, you can find in the Israel Bible, which is the Tanakh, an angel of the Lord came to Hagar. Um, which literally means a messenger of the Lord. So how can Yehovah be the one that is sending? Doesn't make logical sense. And you can see this in Judges 2 verse 1 and 6 verse 11 to 22. True in the construct state, when the second noun has the definite article, the first noun is automatically the definite article and um, without the need of the article however the proper nouns which are automatically definite only context determines whether the first noun attached to it is taken as the definite or indefinite the definite even um, when the noun angel malak appears with the definite article in the scripture it is not to be used in the sense of the definite personality but only as a reference to the particular angel mentioned in previous text for example if i say an angel is coming over the road to speak to me and the angel is speaking it is starting off being introduced as an angel and then becomes the angel 
The angel always is an impersonal being whose name is not necessary since he is um, he is simply a messenger. The Hebrew word malak means a messenger. And uh, as does the word Greek, um, in Greek, angelos, to whom God in all power resides and has entrusted the specific um, mission. Verse Chronicles 21, verse 16, and verse 17, Zechariah 1, verse 12, to 17. This is the reason that the prophet Haggai, who was conveyed God's message to Israel, is also a messenger of um, the Lord, which is, by the way, Haggai 1, 13. The Hebrew term applied to here, guy, is Malak Adonai, the exact same translation as the Lord, the angel of the Lord. So is here, guy, literally Yehovah, because it is the same use. In here, guy, 113, it says, and spoke here, guy, the messenger of Yehovah, or Malak Adonai, the message of Yehovah to the people saying, I am with you, says Yehovah. Genesis Six, uh, 16 verse 7 to 11, Genesis 21 verse 17, and Genesis 22 verse 11 show that these are the same use, Malak Adonai. So when we go on to the literal definition, if you look at Hebrews number um, in the lexicon 4397 in Strong's Concordance on bevelhub.com, the original word is Malak, which is phonetic spelling Malak. Um, definition a messenger that is literal the definition of the word not Yehovah or anything like that and you can see these in the points I'm growing up it says the messenger one sent with a message now there's a lot of verses that I'm bring up here Genesis 30 um, and Genesis 32 Deuteronomy 2 verse 6 uh, 26 Judges 6 verse 35 and many more but for time's sake I'm not going to go into all of the verses a prophet, 1b, Isaiah 42, verse 19, Isaiah 44, verse 26, and other verses such as here, guy 113. A priest, this Malak can be a priest in point 1c, Malachi um, chapter 2, verse 7, probably Ecclesiastes 5, verse 5. 1D, a, message, a messenger from God acting as an interpreter or um as declaring what is right in Job 33, verse 23. A figurative messenger of evil in Psalm 78, verse 49, Proverbs 16, verse 14. An angel, or as a messenger of God, and you've already heard many verses, but Genesis 19, verse 1, and 15, Genesis 28, verse two, uh, 12, sorry. A theophanic angel, which is um, in Genesis 2 verse 17, Genesis 31 verse 11, and Exodus 14 verse 19, and many other. And this um, theophanic angel is basically God, a representative of God who speaks as God, but is not God. It is as if God is there in person, but it is not the angel being God himself. With that said, also, we see in Hebrews 1, verse 5 to 6, it says, Which of the angels did God say, You are my son? So this logically would show that Yeshua, who was supposed to be the angel of the Lord, which is supposed to be Yehovah, and Trinitarians claim Jesus is Yehovah because he is the angel of the Lord. Well, we should 
see why is it saying to angels which of you are my which of my the angels are my son there's none and then further in hebrews 2 verse um, 5 to 9 god did not subject the world to come to angels malak because they're not god they're not higher than the messiah that is sending as his son he did not subject the um, to the angels the world to come so jesus can't be the malak of adonai which is adonai yehovah because it says the world is not given to angels and which of the angels is um my son which which of the angels did he say is my son the angel of Yehovah is an angel according to the tanakh um, written by people actually um the tanakh bible um, written by and edited by um, rabbis and hebrew speakers and it is when he guys speaking an angel of Yehovah and in other places as well it is typically just a generic angel sent for a specific mission throughout the bible also we see clearly that um the angel talking to Hagar in genesis 16 verse 11 the angel of hashem in the israel bible which is Yehovah, the angel of Yehovah said to her further, behold, you are with child and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael for Yehovah has paid heed to your suffering. He didn't say for I, Yehovah. He said for Yehovah has paid heed to your suffering. So this angel talking to Hagar cannot be Yehovah because Yehovah paid, so, um, paid he to her suffering not this angel we can also see in john 1 verse 18 in john first uh, john 4 verse 12 that no man has seen god but the begotten son no man has seen god so if angels are literally physically showing themselves as apparently god this would mean that the bible is contradictory and doesn't it shouldn't even be considered as um scripture if that was the case no man has seen god except for the only begotten son therefore if this angel has been seen by abraham isaac jacob and all these here gone all of these different people it can't be god because the bible says no one has seen god at any time except the son himself the begotten son himself um, 28 seconds left um yeah i think pretty much uh, that's all i've really got to see on this um, topic for the first 12 minutes so i'll just end there all right thank you taylor for that opening statement thank you both we're now jumping into rebuttals five minute rebuttals so now chris you're up for your five minute rebuttal Bring yeah you in. thank you very sorry thank you very much and in response to this, uh, some have argued that the phrase then is determined merely because this is required by the construction in Hebrew, such that the inspired authors could not have spoken of the angel as an, an angel of Yahweh, even if they wanted to. But this is also mistaken in such case, if the author wanted to render the phrase indefinite, all that he would have to do is include the lamed preposition between Malak and Yahweh. Uh, theologian Gerhardus Voss speaks to this error. The objection that before the proper noun preceding the noun standing in construction states becomes inevitably determinant, in other words, that it would be impossible to make angel of Yahweh 
undeterminate, even though it may have been intended so. It does not hold good. The Hebrew has a way of saying an angel of Yahweh. All that is necessary to insert in the preposition lambed between angel and Yahweh to get an angel of Yahweh. And we don't have that. We have the two nouns. We have the determinant uh, language used, and it is properly rendered the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, as my opponent wanted to say. So he tried to get in here with uh, Malak is just a messenger. Yes, Malak is just a messenger, as we can see, as I quoted already in Malachi, where God is the messenger of the covenant. God is the Malak of the covenant. So even God can be within the context of Malak. It depends on, as I said in my opening, it depends on the context of the Malak to determine which the Malak would be. It could be the human beings, it could be God, or it can even be angels. So it basically, there's not much to refute here other than simply what the word could possibly mean, because Taylor basically agreed with most of my opening statement in his opening statement as well. But he did bring up uh, the law of agency argument, and, and this I really want to uh, hit a little bit on because I'm going to touch a little bit on it in the cross-examination. But in within the law of agency, it states that, and, and I'm going to use me and uh, my, my brother in Christ, Jay. So in the law of agency, if I send Jay in my name, Jay carries the authority of my name. So he would go to them and he would speak and those people would have to listen to him as if I was the one standing there speaking to them. But within the law of agency, it does not allow certain prerogatives that solely belong to me. And that's why I brought that up in my opening statement. Uh, Jay can go to those people in my authority, but he cannot be a husband to my wife. He cannot be a father to my children. He could not be a grandfather to my grandchild. There are certain prerogatives that do not allow within the law of agency argument to be used. So when we see the Malak of Yahweh um, forgiving sins, multiplying, uh, giving life, um, and, and the omniscience, and things to this nature, as I've shown in my opening statement, we can see that these are prerogatives that solely belong to God and that angels don't possess these prerogatives, which is why this angel is not an angel or a human being. This uh, Malak of Yahweh is Yahweh himself. Now, he tried to get into the New Testament uh, by going to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. Now, I'm simply just going to go to the verse to explain why it's wrong. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son today, I have begotten you? Um, that is assuming that the word malak can only mean angels. And actually, Taylor, within his own opening statement, agreed that malak could actually just simply mean messenger. It could be a human being. It could be an angel. And it could even be God, as Malachi actually shows that God is the messenger of the covenant. So I'm not sure what he was trying to do when he brought that up, but it seemed like he refuted himself in his own, own his own opening statement. Now he says the angel can't be God because God can't be seen. Well, technically, I would I would uh, argue 
that being seen would be being seen in his full nature. And I don't believe that any human being could see God in his full nature and still live. Um, so therefore, trying to use this argument that, oh, no, you couldn't have seen that because that's God. And, and I also believe that, as he's already brought up, uh, John chapter 1, verse 18, is that the only begotten, unique God that is at the God's side, he has made him known. So basically, the begotten son, the unique, one of a kind, son of God, Jesus Christ, has made him known. So to All see right, that Chris, God that's time right be there, seen. Chris. That's Thank time you. right there. All right, uh, Mr. Taylor, you're up for your five-minute rebuttal. Uh, let me start your time. Let me uh, let me know when you're ready. I'll start your time. I'm ready. So I just want to briefly say that um, the rebuttal that was just said apparently was written beforehand by my opponent, and he actually said in one of my live streams that was going to be a case. So when I'm reading from my rebuttals, I'm actually reading from what I've listened to being stated. Firstly, he said that the topic is not the angel is not um, Jesus. I fully admit that is not a case. But if he, if the people, the Trinitarians believe that Jesus is the angel and Jesus is Jehovah, therefore, if he is the angel and they claim the angel is Jehovah, I should be able to use him as an example, proving that Jesus can't be an angel or the angel can't be Jehovah. In regards to um, which of the angels have I said that you are my son, or in Hebrews, um, I think it's one, if I'm not mistaken. Well, quite clearly, if Jesus is that son, and the term angel, the term angel there is being used, you can't pick and choose, oh, well, it's, it could be a messenger here, yeah, but the transcript, the translators have put it down as the um, angel, which of the sons, sorry, which of the angels, it doesn't say messengers. So to pick and choose when the Old Testament says the angel or angel rather than a messenger, but then when the New Testament says which of the angels are my, um, you are my son, but then say, well, that could just be whatever, that is a nullifying argument because you could see the same one about every time the angel is used throughout the Bible as just simply a messenger, not the person that is sending the messenger. The second point that I've got here is the Hagar um, speaking to an angel. The Israel Bible, again, I go back to this, written and edited by Hebrew speakers, rabbis, um, know their language better than anyone else. Write it down as an angel, but that's not even the point that I'm going to be getting at. What we see is that the angel said, um, to Hagar that it is Yehovah paid heed Yehovah paid heed to what she said not that he was Yehovah and after later on in the um, same passage it says that that have I not um, you are El, El Gabor, is it El Gabor? Uh, I can't remember the El Shaddai I think it is that you have I not gone on seeing after he saw me but she saw the angel but it was her going on to see because God saw her, not she saw God. The next point that um, he brought up is, um, I know you fear God, and God speaks through his messengers um, as if 
you the person um was given his um son now i've seen you've given your son abraham given his son and now i know that you fear god why would you say now i know you fear god but then later say i am jehovah or indicated that i know you fear god because god speaks through the messengers um themselves god speaks through messengers because if i send a postman the postman is not me he's got the message from me um I could also go on at points where um, there's no plurality in unless you're saying that God is a person and not spirit. And literally, Yehovah himself says, Ani or Anoki Yehovah in Hebrew, which literally means the singular person. So unless you're saying the angel is literally the father, that, that wouldn't make no sense because the father sends a messenger, but the father is his messenger. Because Yehovah consistently talks in the singular Ani Anoki, Yehovah Elohim. Um, there is another point. Um, every every verse where the angels say, I am the God of Bethel and so on and so forth, it is because God speaks through his messengers saying these things. God is sending messengers to say it's just with these prophets and so on and so forth. He sends prophets to speak and they speak on his behalf. And in regards to, um, yeah, I've got some other notes here. Um, no man has seen God except for um, the son. How can the angel have been seen? And he brings up, well, angels are able to forgive sins, but no one is able to forgive sins except for God. But the Bible says that we forgive sins. If you forgive sins, they are forgiven. No, we God, because we're able to forgive sins. Of course not. Yeshua himself, since if we I can't use Yeshua, well, Yeshua forgives sins. We're not talking about him being the angel. Doesn't make sense. You're muted, Marlon. Mute myself, man. I can't be doing that, man. But yeah, good stuff, guys. Good, uh, good job and opening statements and rebuttal. So now we're going to transition to the most favorite part of every debate: the cross examination, man. This is where things get fired, man. This is when your positions are really, really put under the microscope, man. So once again, this will be a forty-minute total cross examination. Both of you'll get two ten-minute opportunities to ask questions. In these questions, I do desire once the question is asked that we, if you can answer with a yes or no, do that, and also give a quick explanation you do not want to take up your opponent's time by going on these long tirades of your response so make sure your answer is concise and to the point uh, that said chris you're up first for your 10 minute cross-examination of taylor excellent thank you very much uh so taylor my first question to you is would you agree that malak can be defined as simply a messenger it could be a human being it can be an angel or it can even be god as in malachi as god being the messenger of the covenant yes so why would you put so much emphasis on the word angels if you understand that the word malak doesn't always necessarily mean angel because it can mean that it doesn't necessarily mean that it is always used interchangeably. The translators knew what they were um, talking about when they set it out as such. Oh, okay. So uh, my, my next question would be, do you know what an appeal to authority would be? Yeah. 
such as uh, Trinitarians you, appeal to church fathers. Could you could you please define uh, the appeal to authority for me? Yeah. So, for example, if I was on a debate with a Trinitarian on the Trinity, they would try to appeal to church fathers as an authority figure or authority figures, shall I say. So, so basically, I'll, I'll quote the definition and, and you just tell me if it's a yes or no. An argument from authority, also called an appeal to authority or argumentum ad ver, I can't even pronounce that, is a form of argument in which the opinion of an authority on a topic is used as evidence to support the argument. Would that be the proper definition that you would understand it to be? Yeah. So when you're quoting the rabbis and the people that have translated the scriptures, how is that not an appeal to authority? Because someone has to have some form of authority to go to, otherwise anyone can just say, um, the Bible says Satan is God and God isn't. Someone's so you're, you're, okay with, you're okay with admitting that you are using an appeal to authority, which is a logical fallacy then, right, Taylor? No, I'm not saying it's a logical fallacy, but I agree that there's a um, an appeal to an authority because I don't fluidly speak Hebrew. There's got to be someone that writes it down. Okay, so is the appeal to authority a logical, or sorry, an illogical argument? It can be, yes. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so let's move on here. Uh, in my opening statement... Um, I went to Genesis chapter 16. Uh, this is where Hagar is interacting with the angel of the Lord. Um, do you believe that angels and God have the same prerogatives? What do you mean by prerogatives? Sorry. Do you mean the same goal? No. So like um, uh, as my explanation went, uh, within the law of agency uh, with my brother Jay. If I send my brother Jay in my name, he is given the authority of my name, but he's not the father to my children. He's not the husband to my wife. He's not the grandfather to my grandchild. So prerogatives are things that solely belong to God. So would you agree, or sorry, can angels have the same prerogatives that solely belong to God. If God gives them it, yes. So let's go to, I guess, my opening statement then. In Genesis 16, uh, verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall be numbered for the multitude. Can you give me an example other than this in the Bible where an angel is producing and giving life? Well, it's not him that's producing or giving life. He's simply relaying the message that comes from God. It's God the one that's doing all of this. Okay. In, in, in the verse, it actually says, I will. It doesn't say God will. It says, I will. Yes, it's a theophanic um, angel speaking on behalf of God as if he is God, literally, word by word, what God says. And the same passage later on, he literally says, Jehovah sent me. Okay, so in Jehovah Genesis 16, 13, 
she gave this name to the Lord to, that spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Why would Hagar have identified the angel of the Lord as God then? According to the Hebrew, she didn't. She said to the one that's seen her, not her seeing the angel. She's talking about how Yehovah saw her and paid heed to her suffering. And that is specifically of um, the God, not I have um, heard you or paid heed to you. Yehovah saw you and paid heed. Okay, so who was who was Hagar speaking with in Genesis 16? Was it God or was it the angel of the Lord? She was speaking to the, the messenger that God sent to God. So who's seen her? Well, God seen her. It literally says that Yehovah saw her, but she didn't say, I saw Yehovah. So when we read that verse and it says the angel of the Lord, do you believe that um, Hagar believed that the angel of the Lord was the one that came to her? Well, obviously he came to her physically, but God didn't. No, again, I, the question is about Hagar. Do you believe that Hagar truly believed it was the angel of the Lord, or do you believe that Hagar believed it was actually God uh, that came to her? I believe that she believed um, an angel came on behalf of God. Why would you believe that? Because the angel himself said, the angel's there physically, and the angel himself said, Yehovah has paid heed to you, not I, Yehovah, have paid heed to you. Yeah, can you give me this verse that you keep quoting in Genesis 16 then? It's the same passage um, according to the Israel Bible in the Hebrew. It's literally the same passage that you're talking about when he's just talking with the angel and he said, Yehovah of the Lord has um, paid heed to your suffering. Why wouldn't you say, I am Yehovah that's paid heed to your suffering? Okay, well, this is the direct translation from the Hebrew, and it says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. So um, other than just going to that one translation, do you have anything else to substantiate your view other than this appeal to authority? Yeah, I can show you that this has literally got the Hebrew and English um, side by side, and it's translated by Hebrew speakers, so... It literally I says, yeah, well, it literally says an angel and it goes on to um, say about Yehovah has paid heed for Yehovah Where does it has say, paid heed to your suffering in verse 11 Taylor, of Gen Genesis 16. Taylor, where does it say an angel of the Lord at the um, start of right. the verse? In verse, verse 7, I can show you, verse 7, an angel of the Lord, if it what does it say in uh what does it say in verse angel. 10 in verse 10 it says and the it's changed to the because of the it's been introduced as an so in verse 7 an angel in verse 10 the angel of Jehovah said to her i will greatly increase your offspring and there shall be too many account and then it goes on about um Jehovah has paid heed to you not i am Jehovah that paid heed yeah, so again, would you agree that in Genesis 16.10, it is the angel of the Lord that is actually saying, I will multiply your seed? Yes, because he's speaking he's, on behalf of God. 
So why wouldn't the angel say God is going to multiply your seed instead of I am going to multiply your seed? Explain this for me. Because, yeah, so because it's the same context of how God sent two angels and they said, Yehovah has sent us to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God has oh. sent him to do that. You went to Genesis uh, basically 18 and 19. So let's go to Genesis uh, 19:24, right? And here it says, then Yahweh has called fire and brimstone from, uh, sorry, then Yahweh rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. Mm -hmm. How do you explain that we have two distinct Yahwehs in this verse? You don't. Um, firstly, it says, you Yehovah. Do. In the Hebrew, you do, sir. Uh, I'm, no, you don't. It says, Yehovah reigned. So Yehovah's doing an action. Reigned um, onto a place, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yehovah did the reigning of on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfurous and fire, so a thing onto the place from Yehovah out of heaven. It doesn't say that Yehovah's yes. in a different place. It says Yehovah did what is the from word, where he is. What does the word from mean? Literally, it's saying Yehovah, the person, he does it from where he is. No, it no. It doesn't say that it Yehovah's says, on earth. No, no, sir, can heaven. you? Whoa, 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 whoa. It actually says Yahweh called fire and brimstone from Yahweh. All right, All right Chris, heaven. that's time right there. All right, Taylor, you're up for your 10 minute cross examination of Chris. Okay, so according to John 1 18 and 1 John 4, verse 12, it says, No man has seen God except for the only begotten Son. How do you reconcile that no one has ever seen God in the New Testament, but you claim the angel is God and has been seen? Yeah, because I, I believe in theophanies of the Old Testament of the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus Christ. But again, this isn't the that actual debate. The actual debate is, is the angel of the Lord Yahweh? Um, so I do not believe that the Father entered his own creation as in the angel of the Lord. I believe it was the eternal son uh, that was the angel of the Lord. Therefore, uh, there's no inconsistencies in what I'm saying. Okay, so you think believe in theophanies and you believe that when it says no one has seen God is talking about the Father. Can you tell me in John 1 verse 18 and 1 John 4 verse 12 where it ever mentions Father, It explicitly says God. What does John 1, 18 actually say? It says that no one has seen God except for the um, Son, uh, the only begotten Son. In different translations, it also can say the only um, begotten God who himself was in the bosom of um, God. Some translations can yeah, so the old God, the unique God that was in the bosom of the Father, He has made Him known. Yeah. So the question is, you said it says Father, no one has seen the Father. When it says in there, no one has seen God except for the Son. So he where does it see known. a Father? Yeah. Where does it see a Father? Again, the unique God that is at God's side, we know that this is the father and son relationship. I'm not sure if you understand this or not, but this is the father and son relationship. The word father doesn't actually have to be there for people to understand what the verse is actually speaking about. So yes, nobody has seen the father at any time. The son has made him known, 
which is why the theophanies within the Old Testament make sense to a Trinitarian and not a Unitarian. Okay, so you would agree that it doesn't explicitly say the Father and you're reading that into the Scripture? It doesn't have to say the Father. It does because God is only one person throughout the Bible, Ani or Anoki. So can you... Well, that's not true. Would you accept, would you accept that um, the Father is not mentioned in them verses and no one has seen God at any time. So Jesus, yeah, I, I, dis I disagree with your premise that God is a singular person at all times in the Bible. Uh, that's definitely something that you're just making up. Uh, so therefore I disagree with your follow-up premises and, and conclusion from that. So you, you would have to reword it so that it actually makes okay, sense. Then. I'll make it better. It doesn't, does the Bible explicitly in those verses ever mention the Father? Yes or no? No, it doesn't have to. Okay. Um, in Hebrews 2 verse 5, it says, For it is not the angels that have been um, subjected the will to come um, about which we are speaking, so if Yeshua is the angel of Yehovah and, Yehu and the angel of Yehovah is Yehovah, how is he God when the world to come is not given to him? Because the word malach doesn't mean angel all the time. It depends on the context. You've actually already agreed to this. Yeah, so we can pick and choose um, when an angel is the angel, which is Yehovah, but then when I give a verse which explicitly says angel here, I can't do that. No, see, what, what we need to do is we need to look at the context that the term Malak uh, Yahweh is used in, and within that context, we can determine if that Malak is a human being, uh, a, an angel, or even God. And the translators, they put it down as an angel because um, he's talking about heavenly angels, not talking about human messengers. Which of the angels did he say that this is a case? So it's explicitly so talking I, about heavenly angels. Are, are that you right affirming right? that the Malak of Yahweh is only referring to angels? Well, in this case, it's um, angelos um, in Greek, and it's pretty much the same ex um, word. Which of the son, which of the angels, has he said, "You are my son," and the kingdoms being given to them? So, how, um, how is this angel God if he's not getting any rulership? Okay, it is. It's. it's... This is getting a little disturbing to me because it seems like you're just taking the word Malak and you're running with it. But the term is Malak, a Yahweh, right? So can you show me in Hebrews 2.5 or Hebrews 1.5, either one, where the term, or sorry, where the term Malak, Yahweh is actually being used as in the angel of the Lord, or if it is just simply using the term Malak as an, an, an angel or a messenger so, or anything so else? So since it's my question time, is Malak Adonai never used for human beings? It depends. We have to look at the context of the verse being used. As I've said, sorry, I, I you're not provided... The question. You, 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 I thought we are supposed to be answering with that yes or no, because it's taking up a lot of time. Explicitly with the verse I brought up, Hagar, uh, sorry, Hagai is 
Malach Adonai is a human being, is he, and it's the same context, is he God himself. Depending on the context, and a human being is never God. So therefore, the Malach Adonai is never God, because that's the same context, the same word, how it's formed. No, you can't just take one uh, reference of it in the scripture and say that that's the way it's used every time it's being used. Uh, that That's not being honest to the text. Okay, we'll move on. Um, according to, actually I've already said that one. Why then, when the evidence points against any indication to angel being Yehovah, but simply a messenger of who was sent by Yehovah, according to the literal definition, do you come to the conclusion that it is a person that has been seen as God? Because God is not a Unitarian being, and God, the prerogatives that the angel of the Lord claims are prerogatives that solely belong to God and no other created being. So when it says a messenger of Yehovah, like if I say, for example, the pen of Taylor, is this me, the one that I own? Using the context of the Bible when it uses Malach Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, and not an angel of the Lord, he is using the priorities, he is... Uh, obtaining the prerogatives of God that solely belong to God. I'm not understanding how you're okay with that. Well, the the Jews who know a lot about Hebrew explicitly say about their own language, it is an, and it's only by the context. So, again, even if you put the angel, it is the angel that is of Yehovah. How is that the angel which is of Yehovah, Yehovah? Contextual. It is the angel. It is the angel of Yahweh, and the angel of Yahweh, because God is not a Unitarian being. There can be theophanies of the Eternal Son. Yes, it is very possible, because I don't so, believe in a Unitarian being of God like you do. Okay, so there is nothing at all contextually you can show me where the angel can be Yehovah, but it is of Yehovah at all. It's not. I I, um, I I give a ten minute opening statement. If you didn't listen to it, that's not my fault. I heard what you were saying. It never says that he is the angel is Yehovah. I've shown you explicitly the angel, even in the verse that you that you use. Does it or does it not say that the angel said to Hagar that Yehovah has paid heed to you? So you can't be Yehovah. The, the angel of the Lord specifically says, I will multiply thy seed. The angel of the Lord, when speaking to Abraham, says that you didn't withhold your only son from me. When the angel of the Lord is speaking to Moses, he identifies himself as the God of Abraham. When the angel of the Lord is talking to Jacob, he's identifying himself as the angel of the God of Bethel. All right, so Taylor is saying that you're okay. Taylor, I'm allow. I'm gonna give you a couple more. Ask the question again, and Chris, if you can, yeah. let's go ahead and chime. Get that narrowed down to to answer the question that he's uh, yeah. that he's asking. Go ahead, Taylor. Go ahead and ask that question yeah. again. 
explicitly the angel said to Hagar, Yehovah has paid heed to your suffering. How therefore can the angel be Yehovah if he said someone else who was Yehovah um, paid heed to his suffering? I've answered this question four or five times. I do not believe that God is a Unitarian being. God is a tri, a, a, a Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So therefore, yes, the angel of the Lord or, or whatnot could say God in another sense and also claim that he is God in the same sense as I've shown in my 10-minute opening that you didn't listen to. All right. Thank you so much. All right, Chris, you're up for your second 10-minute cross-examination of Taylor. Excellent. So when the angel of the Lord actually, uh, actually addresses himself as God, is this problematic for you? No. So when people fall on their face and worship the angel of the Lord because he claims he is God, what does that mean? They're paying the respect to God. The, the angel is above them. People worship um, human beings. They worship King David. So when an angel came to John in Revelations and, and John bowed down to him, what did the angel say to him? And Revelation said, in that case, don't um, bow to me, I'm a servant. So are you agreeing that angels are servants like we are? Yeah. So angels are not allowed to accept worship or be worshipped, right? Depends on the context. If you're talking about early in the Bible, he's going to be worshipped because he's got authority, just like kings do. So you're okay with a heavenly being being worshipped as God, and that's not idolatry? It doesn't say that it was worshipped as God. It was the authority when, given by God. When That's he, why they worshipped the authority. When he claims that he is the God of Bethel, when he claims that he is the God of Abraham, when he claims he is the God of Isaac, when he claims he is the God of Jacob, who is he claiming to be? He's speaking on behalf of God. He's a messenger. He's really in an uh, information that God sent him to say. Is there anything in the law of agency because you keep appealing to this law of agency is there anything within the law of agency that the angel is not acceptable to in god's soul prerogatives not if god gives them the ability to do or see it or do anything at all is god if he acts on behalf of god he's able to do it because god allowed it have you studied the actual view in the law of agency the shalak in, in the Hebrew language. Not um, in depth. I know a little bit about it. Okay, because if, if you would have, it is well known, and, and this is fact, that the prerogative solely belonging to God cannot be transferred within the law of agency. The angel is not allowed to accept worship. The angel is not allowed to have omniscience the angel is not allowed to provide life and things to this nature. These are things that solely belong to God. Do you realize this? Yes, and God can give it to people who he chooses. Or is God So you're limited? okay with God so you're okay with God saying you can worship this created being? Yes, if it is the authority that's coming from God. I can worship. So you're King okay David with God. 
you're okay with God commanding idolatry. It's not idolatry if God allows it to be done for an authority. Can you or give is me it the definition of idolatry? Idolatry is to worship things as God that haven't been given in any way, shape, or form authority. No, such as that is not the definition crosses. of idolatry. You're making up that definition of idolatry. Okay. Can you give us the proper definition of idolatry and not the one that you're wanting to make up? Well, that is the literal definition. If God gives you the ability to, you're not idolatry. Well, you're not making idolatry to someone because, and if that was the case, King David wouldn't be allowed to be worshipped at all. So again, the worship of worshiping something that is not God is that not mm -hmm. idolatry? Not if you're worshiping him as king, no, or a ruler. So when someone comes to you and says, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Jacob, I am the God of Isaac, and you bow down and you worship them, what are you doing? Well, it depends if it's a human being that isn't um, heavenly that's been sent on that um, purpose, isn't it? If they're human yeah, beings, we're talking about the angel enough. of the Lord that was being worshipped after he identified himself as that. So, could it, you answer the mm -hmm. question, please? And the, yeah, they're worshiping the power, the authority. These came in his name. So then, as you've already admitted, the angel cannot accept the worship that is solely. Uh, a prerogative of God, but now you're saying that the angel can accept the worship that is a prerogative of God. So which one are you going to stand with? No, I've literally said that it has the authority given by God. That's why we can worship it in the sense of a ruler that is in authority to us, just like we can with kings or with our masters as if we were slaves. Well, I... I I, I know you keep misrepresenting the worshiping of King, King David, and that's normal, but that's not the topic here. So <clears throat> you, you keep answer, trying bro. to insinuate, you keep trying to insinuate that angels are allowed to accept worship if they come in the authority of God. Mm -hmm. Can you give me a, a reference for that? Yeah. Outside of Kings scripture. Are, yeah. Outside of scripture. Yeah, these Hebrew scholars scripture. that you have that talk about the law of agency. Give us one of those uh, Hebrew scholars or any type of scholar that has studied in the law of agency that says that angels can accept this worship if they're coming that authority. Because I've already told you that facts are they cannot claim the sole prerogatives that belong to God. And you actually agree that worshiping God is one of those prerogatives, right? Is there a question? Did you not listen to what I just said? Yeah, no, you just went. I on ended the wrong it page. with a question. Saying something you didn't. You didn't. You went right. Okay. okay yes. If you say so. So is that it is, is what I said right or wrong? No, it's wrong. Why? Why what? That could be a broad statement. You, you just you said what I said was wrong. Because you went on a wrong page. Said, yeah. Taylor, you, went on a you just said on a what I said was wrong. So in what I okay, said, you got the you got talking to your, you got the talking over each other. It's hard for the audience to engage with that. So make Chris go ahead and ask your question uninterrupted, and Taylor do the Thank best you. he can to answer that question. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So you just said what I s said in my question was wrong. Can you repeat what I said was wrong in my question? 
No, I can't because it's both are good. Maybe it's nearly half a minute. I can't so do you're, it by Are you admitting that you didn't it. hear what I said? No, I'm saying that you spoke for a good like 30 seconds all the way through. I'm not going to be able to reiterate everything word by word. Could you restate it? I didn't say word by word. You said what I said was wrong. Said, I, I asked you to I asked you to give me what I said was wrong. Can you do that? No, because you spoke for 30 seconds off by heart. There was a few so things somebody speaks that for... was um, mixed up. I can't just go off by everything you're saying. You spoke for 30 seconds. There's supposed to be questions. Can you please pose the question? In those, in that 30 seconds, what did I say was wrong? Just give me one one thing. Well, you indicated that the um, angel can't be worshipped as God because of your interpretation on that. You're wrong in regards to your interpretation of the, um, the um, I can't even think of the word, you said it before, because yes, they should, they, they should care, something. Yeah. So you're wrong on hey, that. No. Okay, you're just saying that I'm wrong. Explain why I am wrong, please. Okay, and the explanation is, I believe you are wrong by my opinion. That's why I said, no, you're wrong. Answering your question. Okay. And you've already admitted you haven't studied the law of agency then, right? I know that it talks about the angel coming as if God is there. I didn't know everything off by heart. No, I haven't studied it well enough to know that, but I know you're wrong. Excellent. That, um, Thank you very much. So you haven't studied the law of agency, yet you're trying to tell me somebody that has studied the law of agency that I'm wrong. And the only way that you can say I'm wrong is by saying you just feel that I'm wrong. Is this I'm accurately sure. representing what you just said? No. Explain how I didn't represent what you said. I didn't see a feel. I said it's my opinion. An opinion is based on what I know from what I have studied. I haven't studied everything about it. And we're totally getting off topic of the angel. You're wasting your time. Yeah. So my last question here for you, because I'll, I'll give you a few seconds to answer here. How much of the law of agency have you studied? And can you cite a few scholars, please? The amount of the law of agency that I have um, studied up is that God, by the angel, is speaking directly. That God, it is almost as if God himself was on earth speaking. That's what. That's pretty much the fullness to what I've um, looked up. All right. All right, Taylor, you are up for your final 10-minute cross-examination of Chris. Okay. Um, I'll wait until the time's come up. So you said to me in the questions that you can't worship anything other than God. Why is it that um, King David was prostrated to, and the word uses a form of worship by Bathsheba, face flat onto the floor? Yeah, I'm not going to answer any questions that don't re. re uh, relate to the actual topic of the debate is the angel of the Lord Yahweh. And it does. You've asked me about worship in, um, of the angel. It is correlated to the question you asked me about worship. If you is can worship an angel, yes. Can you worship 
King David, like you worship the angel and so on and so forth. I've asked this I don't worship before, an angel so. and I don't worship King David. I purely solely worship God. So you can't worship the angel of Jehovah. You can worship the angel of the Lord if the angel of the Lord is God. But he's not. And you said you don't worship the angel, but the angel of the Lord is the Lord according to you. So how can you yeah, I, worship him? I don't agree with your misinterpretation of who the angel of the Lord is. I do believe that the angel of, of the Lord is God. So therefore, I could worship the angel of the Lord as God because that's who I believe it is. And the same within the Old Testament when the prophets worship the angel of the Lord, they believed he was God as well. So you can worship an angel of the Lord um, because you said you couldn't, but now you're retracting that. You can worship an angel of the Lord, which is an angel. No, see, you're confusing the words. You're saying an angel of the Lord or the angel of the Lord. There's a difference. Is it an angel or not? It doesn't have to be. The Malak of Yahweh can be a human being. It could be an angel. Mm -hmm. It could even be something else. Malak could actually be God because God in Malachi is referenced as the Malak of the covenant. So God is actually mm -hmm. called the messenger of the covenant. Right. So in regards to that, it's not even contextually the same in regards to an angel is a messenger of something that is not a person that is really in a message but you've just said you can't worship an angel and then you said you can can you or can you not worship an angel of god no you cannot worship an angel of god right so therefore the angel of yehovah cannot be yehovah because you can't worship him as god well i don't even need the, I do not believe, I, I don't accept your presupposition that the angel of, of the Lord is a, simply an angel. I have shown with many verses in, in, in my opening statement that the angel of the Lord is God and identifies himself as God, so therefore can be worshipped as God and is not an angel. Except for no one has seen God um, except for the sun. So anyone that has seen the angel, I'll say it for you, the angel of the Lord couldn't have seen God. So that angel can't be the God that you could worship. Is that correct? You're assuming God is a Unitarian being. I don't assume that. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as being God. If the eternal Son enters his own creation as a theophany of the angel of the Lord, that angel of the Lord is God. So therefore, that angel of the Lord can be worshipped. Okay, so you try. You asked me not to use Jesus as part of this angel of the Lord, but you're taking this from a Trinitarian perspective, but I'm not allowed to use these um, terms. Can you, since you're trying to basically make it impossible for me to ask you questions about the angel, can you show me anywhere in the Bible where Yehovah ever indicates to himself as a plural person? Yehovah yeah, himself. In, in the word Echad. Echad. Okay, do, here's a question. Do you realize that Echad 
is used in the same context as a singular. If you look at um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 through to 4, it says we keep his singular um, commandments. And then it says Shema Israel, Yehovah is their cut, which contextually, do you realize that contextually it, it aligns with um, Joshua 12, 9, that the king of um, Jerusalem is their cut. So it literally means the cardinal number one. Yeah, and literally doesn't because a male and a female come together and they are Akkad, one. Yeah. So how so is that the, one numerically? <clears throat> so again, it's it's all in the context of the verse, and I reject your misrepresentation of the text, okay. that's all. So the context of the verse of Shema Israel, Yehovah is Akkad, is exactly the same context as the king of Ai, is Eckhart, the king of Jerusalem is Eckhart, but nowhere does it say they are one, which is what it says contextually in the, the Lord your the God, woman, the Lord they is one. Are one. Yes, Hero so Israel, the, context, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Yep. So the context, yeah, so the context for the man and woman that the man leaves his wife is they are one, but it doesn't say they are one, does it? In for Shem the Shema. Sure, it does. Hey guys, because it seems that we're we're sort of veering off topic. We're 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 we need to stay with the the angel of Yahweh is also Yahweh. So let's let's make sure we're we're staying on that topic. All right, thank you. It it, it is the same topic, but I can't. He's saying that he's going from a Trinitarian perspective. I've got to prove that the angel is not a separate person in his perspective. If I can't do that, then he would have to argue from the Unitarian perspective where it literally says, do not, no one has seen God, not just like a singular God, but God. It doesn't say uh, one person that's God. So can you give me a reason why it says no one has seen God, not the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit, but God, but you've seen, the, people have seen the angel of Yehovah. Sure. Can, can you explain what this has to do with is the angel of the Lord Yahweh? Yes, it literally was in the question, the angel of the Lord. You know, one has seen God, which is the Lord, Yehovah, and people have seen the angel of the Lord. So therefore, the angel of the Lord can't be God because people have seen him. But that, that's just pure lunacy. Is that your actual argumentation? It's a question and you're not answering it. You're trying to think of an answer to bring up. But it's no, I'm not trying to think of an answer. God... That I don't believe God is a Unitarian being. How many times do I've got to tell you during this debate and I'm not talking about that it. I do not believe that God is a Unitarian being? I agree. And you're avoiding the question. It explicitly you, you don't agree because you're a Unitarian. One... Can I please answer, um, ask the question? It explicitly says that no one has seen God. It doesn't see it, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's assume it's a Trinity God, a three-in-one God. No one has seen God at any time. So how, when, it, when people have seen the angel of the Lord, how is he God if no one's because seen God? Because it's a theophany of the Son. As John so 1, 18 says, the Son has made him known. So therefore, the Son is the one that has made him known. I've so said this repeatedly. So they have yes, seen God, God in the, the Bible's alive. So yes, they have God seen the God in the Bible said, no. God the Son, yes. Where does it say God the Son in the Bible since you're using that as an answer? 
are, so you're assuming God is a Unitarian being, right? No, you're, uh, this is my question, Tim. You're avoiding my questions. It's not fair. But I'm not avoiding mind. your questions. I'm making it says, a statement. No one has seen God. No one has seen God, but they have. So therefore, it's a lie. Is that Can you right? read John chapter 118 and then ask that question? Yeah, it says, No one has seen God at any time except for the only begotten Son that is in his bosom. So how he has, made has anyone... Yes, so only the Son has seen him and made him known, but no one yep. has seen God. So now, again, since Except I've got 37 seconds, can you please answer the question, how, if no one has seen God, not one, not two, not three, just God in total, no one has seen God, how is the angel of the Lord, Jehovah, if no one has seen you answered, Jehovah? You answered yourself in John chapter 1, verse 18, the Son has made him known. Thank you. Yeah, and no one's seen him. You haven't answered my question, and you're avoiding it again. No People one has seen Jesus. I'm he walked the earth. Being known. Where does it? Okay, you're not going to answer. So I'll just send it here since I've only got three seconds. All right, guys. Uh, good stuff. Good discussion. And you know, sometimes in debates, you know, when you're arguing your position. It can get a little frustrating sometimes. You try to you try to pry an answer out of somebody. Like, come on, give it to me, you know. Uh, but overall, good discussion, you guys, and I appreciate you guys for doing a great job at doing the best you guys can to keep that decorum there. And that said, we're going to have a five minute closings now. Uh, and Chris, you're up first for your five minute closing. Oh, before you start, Excellent. Chris, hold on. Before you start, Chris, audience, let's get those questions in. Um, I have maybe about. Five questions. Let's get more of those questions in so these guys will be able to tackle them. All right. That said, Chris, you got it for five minutes. All righty. Thank you very much. So it is very clear that my opponent, I don't think, really uh, listened to my opening statement or didn't really take notes. And the only reason I'm saying this is that in his rebuttal, uh, he was rebuttaling my rebuttal uh, to him. Uh, he wasn't actually addressing Jacob. He didn't address Abraham. He didn't address Moses. He went to one verse. Maybe that was like the first thing that I said, and he, he just uh, forgot the rest of it. Um, he's also uh, acknowledged that he has not actually studied anything when it comes to uh, the law of agency, except for basically the definition of the law of agency. Um, so when he tries to tell me, that yes, an angel can receive the worship that solely belongs to God because he comes in God's name. That is factually a lie. That is not true. And I'm pretty sure that Taylor actually knows this. Also, he didn't, he, he kept trying to say that God commanded idolatry. Did you hear that? He actually said that it is okay to worship a created being because God says that you can worship that created being, which God also says in the Old Testament uh, that he doesn't yield his glory to any other or his praise to graven images. I think maybe Taylor may have forgotten that verse. Um, but let's continue on. Uh, the main reason here is, as I said at the start, I pretty much refuted my opponent's argument in my opening statement, um, the angel of the Lord actually identifies himself as Yahweh. 
he actually tells Hagar and Abraham that he is going to multiply their seed, something only God can do. These are promises that only God would do. Um, and then when we get into Jacob, Jacob actually bowed down at the angel of the angel of the Lord's feet and worshipped him. This is something that is not able to be done to created being unless you're a Unitarian and believe that God commanded idolatry. Um, and again, he keeps trying to say that this this uh, Malak Yahweh could only be an angel because of the word Malak. This is one of the uh, primary points that I've been trying to get through this whole debate. Malak does not mean simply an angel. Malak means a messenger. That messenger can be a human being. As in, if you looked at the donkey um, story, uh, the donkey was a messenger at that point. Or you can view angels as being messengers. Or, as I pointed out, you can go to Malachi and you can see that God is the messenger of the covenant, the Malak of the covenant. So if he assumes that only angels can be Malak, then he's got a lot of problems with the Old Testament. Um, and another thing, too, is uh, Taylor keeps trying to insist in this Unitarian being, but actually admitted within the crossfire that he doesn't believe in a Unitarian being. Because I said, you believe in a Unitarian God, and he said, no, I don't. Um, that's on record, so maybe you misspoke, but you did actually say that. Um, other than that, um, I just want to go down some of my points again in my opening statement just here at the end. Um, as I said, um, since we know the angel of the Lord is identified as God, that would bring me back to that con comparison of the angel of the Lord being Yahweh or being an angel sent under the authority of God, known as the law of agency. So it seems that my opponent chooses the law of agency where he must then agree that a created being has the exact same prerogatives that solely belong to God. So I guess that would leave for open. How would you be able to tell the difference between a simple angel and God? If an angel can give life, is omniscient, can forgive sins, and everything else, what makes God God that separates him from the angels? This is something that Taylor has been unable to address. Um, and even going to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, uh, it, that, that's really weird there uh, because he, it actually says um, to the angels, uh, he, or, here, just let me, give me one second, I'll, I'll mix it up. For which, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son today, I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Now, if Taylor's argument is consistent, right, the father right, Chris, is saying. That's, hey, Chris, that's time right there. Okay, sounds good. All right, All right Taylor, you're up for your five minute closing. Uh, and you got it for five minutes. Thank you very much. Um, 
guess we're in for the time. There we go. So, um, firstly, in in I want to address um, some points because I don't like having falsities um, taught about me. Um, apparently, I was rebuttaling a rebuttal, um, and that um, I'm only rebuttaling rebuttals that he said. But I literally wrote down these notes of his first um, chat in rebuttal to him. There was two points at the very end when I had rebutted the points, I think that I actually went on to his rebuttal because there was only a few points that he actually brought up um, that didn't kind of merge into one point. Certainly, um, I would like to say, if I did in any way, shape or form state that I don't believe in a Unitarian God, I apologize, but I believe that maybe he may have misheard or I may have spoke because of how heated it did get that I was saying no to something else and it came out that way. Regardless of which, I don't know how that's got anything to do with the angel of the law in the topic of the debate. I didn't see it that you can worship in idolatry. I proved that kings are worshiped and it is a different glory to the glory that God's um, God. We don't worship kings or any other creature as God, but we can worship the authority that God gave them. Different glory. God gives glory to people. Um, he didn't answer explicit times. If we can't see Jehovah, if we can't see Jehovah, but at no, at no time has anyone seen Jehovah, but we have in the Old Testament, and it's actually, shall I say, not Jehovah, God, the total God. No one has seen God. Whether you believe in a Trinity God, or a Unitarian God, or a modalist God, or whatever God you believe in, it says in the Bible, no one has seen God, God, not the Father. And he himself said, it doesn't say the Father explicitly. No one has seen God at any time. So if you have seen angels that are claiming to be God, his version of God seems to be a liar, because the Bible says you haven't seen God, but you have. So, which is it? We haven't seen God, and God works through his messengers, just like he did through Haggai, uh, which is literally Malak Adonai, the same word that is used for all of the times angel of the Lord is used in the Old Testament. So is he God? When do, where can you pick and choose which is God and which, is, is it, which isn't? It's simple as this. If we can't see this God, not one of the gods, just God, yet we've seen God, then the Bible must be contradictory and a lie. We might as well throw away the Bible unless God is actually working through these angels as he does through prophets he speaks, through Yeshua he spoke, through the angels he came with the messages as well. So what is right? It doesn't seem that he actually explicitly answered that. In fact, I think it was a good two minutes into the end when I tried to get an answer and I didn't get an answer at all in regards to this point. Maybe it's one of you guys in the questions can ask that to him to try and get a um, reply. And um, God, um, one second. Yeah, God does everything through his angels and... God's glory is not the glory of kings. We are given glory, but God does not give his glory to another. He did mention that Jehovah um, 
I am Yehovah, I am your God, there is none other and such. Yehovah says, I, Ani or Anoki, I, singular. I, Yehovah, am your God, and there is none other, no, no God beside me. Well, beside indicates to there possibly being plural gods. But we've never seen this God, so how we would know just doesn't make sense. Anyway, that's all I have to say on this topic. All right. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you guys for a fantastic debate. Appreciate you both. All right. Now we're going to jump into these Q and these questions, man. We got some questions for you guys. Uh, I got a couple super chats. And so we'll take care of these super chats first. And I have one here for Walter Roberts. You should see it pop up on the bottom of the screen here. And uh, Acts chapter 8. Uh, first, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate you, Walter. You're always helping, a, helping the ministry out, and I do appreciate you. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 and 29 and 39. The angel of the Lord gives direction to Philip in verse 29. It's the spirit. In verse 39, it's the spirit of the Lord that gives direction. Is the angel of the Lord, does the, I guess, does the angel of the Lord equal the spirit of the Lord? I guess, uh, Chris, you can take a knock at that one. Yeah, for sure. And, and as I said, when the term Malach Yahweh is used, we have to look into the context of the verse. So as I said, a human being can be a Malach, a, a God can be a Malach, and whatnot. So I have no problem with the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit being the angel of the Lord as well. All right. Also, I forgot to mention this right before we start a Q&A, uh, the questions from the audience. Um, both of you guys get one minute to respond to the question uninterrupted. Uh, there's no rebuttal back and forth. All right, uh, Chris. All right. Now, Taylor, you got it for uh, one minute to respond to this. Yeah, um, I would have personally, I haven't seen that um, verse written that way. Um, but from what I understand, if it is a messenger um, taught of in the New Testament, is that New Testament as Angelos, I'd have to look into that. Um, I don't personally think that it's talking about this, um, the Spirit of the Lord is this angel, however. Um, I could be wrong. I'll look into that. Um, but it, it's not talking about is um, the Spirit being a messenger that is obviously the Old Testament being sent in um, speaking of, um, being spoken of as um, like a messenger like, that we see. It's possible that God speaks through his um, spirit in us, which is a message, like uh, in a messenger, but it's not the Malak. All right. And here's another question. Another super sad. Thank you, Biblicist. Appreciate your support. And this is for both of you. Who did Isaiah see in Isaiah 6? Who did Daniel see in Daniel 7? And whom did John see in Revelation 5? If so, if you say no, no one has, has seen God. Um, I don't know that I don't know how that's a uh, question with all due respect. Um, who's seen in Isaiah 6 and in Daniel? Yeah, people have seen angels, it's not God. I don't know what maybe as if it was more explicit, like this verse and it's talking about an angel. I'll be able to answer that, but I don't see how that's even contextually seeing the angel or if it's talking about God. For example, the whole chapter of Isaiah 6 could be talking about a prophet because um, there's a few people being mentioned in there. Same with Daniel. What what verse in Daniel are you talking about? 
Daniel 7 verse 25, where you're talking about Daniel um, 7 in total, the um, the Son of God. It's basically an open statement to anyone that's been mentioned in these um, passages. All right. Chris? Yeah, this is actually a really good question by the biblicist. So in Isaiah 6, Isaiah claims that he saw the glory of God um, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark identifies, sorry, Mark identifies this glory of God being seen in Isaiah 6 as being Jesus Christ. Now in Daniel 7, I believe it's in verse 12 and 13, where the Son of Man is brought to the Ancient of Days, just before that in verse 9 or 10, thrones are cast down. So multiple thrones are being cast down, and the Son of Man in the Ancient of Days would be sitting upon those thrones. And now Revelations 5, I believe he's going to Revelations 5.13, where the Father and the Lamb is receiving worship by the elders. So I would say, yes, uh, Isaiah did see the glory of God. Daniel 7 in the vision did see the Son of Man and the Ancient of Days, as he claims. And uh, in Revelations uh, chapter 5, it definitely shows that uh, the Son and the Father are receiving worship together. All right. And here's a question from Mr. Jeremy Wong himself. What's up, Jeremy, man? Uh, hope everything's going well with your wife and uh, the new baby you had, man. All right, question for Taylor. What do you say about Genesis 35-1 and Exodus 24-1 where God calls the angel God and Yahweh who accepts worship, forgives sins, and bears the name of Yahweh? Yeah, so to bear the name of Yehovah is literally meaning that you have the authority of the name. Yehovah swears by his name, talking about his authority. Um, so, yeah, they, I think I've answered this in regards to God through the angels. It's his authority in them. All right, Chris? Yeah, thank you very much, Jeremy, for this question. Um, for anyone that answers yes, and created being can accept worship, can also forgive sins, and bears the name of Yahweh, is actually committing idolatry because these are prerogatives of God that solely belong to God that no other, no other being, created being, uh, could obtain. So basically, uh, Taylor, again, is saying that God is commanding people to commit idolatry which i disagree with all right here's a question for chris all right question for chris when i'm not sure what t-a-t-t-a-o-t-l y'all familiar with that acronym no T-A-O-T-L comes to earth. What part of the Trinity is the angel of the Lord and which members of the Trinity are still in heaven? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So again, I, it, this question is to me, I imagine, but um, I believe that the theophanies in the Old Testament is, is Christ coming into his own creation. In certain theophanies, that doesn't mean that Christ is simply an angel. Right? He is identified as the angel of the Lord. So at the end of days, if this is what he's speaking about, we will see the Trinity together, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, so I, I'm hopefully I, I'm answering this question correctly. Oh, so the acronym means the angel of the Lord. <laughs> okay. 
I guess I see it now. <laughs> All right. So, Taylor, you got it, man. What's your, what's your thoughts on this question? Yeah, um, I've always um, heard the arguments for Jesus being it. Um, and the, one of the questions that we've got posed, um, this is probably the first time I've heard the Holy Spirit being a messenger. Um, but I've never heard the Father being it, so it's basically like flip a coin and pick one. Um, but typically it seems to be Jesus that is um, apparently the um, angel of Jehovah which wouldn't make sense. Okay. All right. This question is for you, Taylor. It says, for Exodus 23, 20 to 22, how do you account for the angel having the name of God in him, forgiving sins and thus beginning, being and doing what God only is worthy enough to be, to be and do? Yeah, that's a beautiful question because it helps me go back to one of the questions that was posed um, before. The name is also in um, Gentiles. It says, they will be known by my name. It's in the Gentiles of their God. No. Um, I would argue is Yeshua God because he does the miracles. Actually, it's not even him that does the miracles, but it is the Father God who dwells in him does the miracles. Having the name is meaning simply God's Spirit is in you doing the works, miracles, wonders, and saints. So for me, this is quite clear, just because you have the name in you, well, that would indicate the angel, sorry, the Gentiles are Yehovah, because Yehovah's name is in them. All right. Uh, Chris? Yeah, so no, we don't have the name of God in us. Um, as Taylor keeps trying to say, we don't claim, as the angel of the Lord did, that we are the God of Abraham, that we are the God of Isaac, that we are the God of Jacob, as the angel of the Lord did. We do not say that we are able to multiply the seeds of somebody because this is something that only God does. Um, so I agree with the speaker, or sorry, the questioner at that point. Uh, if the angel of the Lord is a created being, he cannot possess the prerogatives that solely belong to God. All right, all right. And here's a question for you, Chris. And First Kings chapter 8, verse 1 says, Solomon gathered people unto Solomon. How many people is Solomon? Is Solomon two persons and one? Can you ask, what's that question? It says at first Kings chapter eight, verse one says Solomon gathered people unto Solomon. How many people is Solomon? Is Solomon two persons and one? I'm not sure. I, I would actually have to go through the verses here to see what these verses are actually saying. Uh, but to me, I don't believe that this question is addressing the topic of the debate personally. Yeah. What do you say, Taylor? Um, yeah, um, so it's a great verse because we did talk on this about how Yehovah and um, Chris did come into this, how Yehovah reigns unto Yehovah, apparently to Yehovah's. But Solomon sent armies and it was Solomon that destroyed them. But it was, it's not talking about two Solomons. It's literally Solomon doing something. And it is because basically he is the king sending them out. It's the same context as um, the whole Yehovah reigned unto Solomon Gomorrah. It is, you're shaking your head, but it literally is the same context. Um, and you've just said you don't even know what this verse is talking about. I've, yeah. 
All right. And Taylor, here's a question for you. Thank you, Diego, for the question. Sacrifices are done only by the Lord, to, only to the Lord. So why does the angel claim that Isaac was being sacrificed unto him if he isn't God? If I remember correctly, um, it was God um, calling out by the um, angel. The angel appeared, but it was Yehovah, the one that was um, speaking. It wasn't him sacrificing um, Jacob, is it, um, to an angel. It was sacrificed to Yehovah, and Yehovah um, seen that the action came into um, fruition. I probably pronounced that word wrong. All right, Chris. Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, take my opponent seriously when he said that Jacob was the one being sacrificed. When any knowledgeable person believes that and would know that it was Isaac uh, that was being sacrificed uh, by Abraham at that point in time, uh, but the angel, the angel of the Lord, was the one that called to Abraham because he called to him the second time as well. So no, it wasn't God that called to Abraham. It was the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord also said that he praised him and he multiplied his seed because he did not withhold his son from him. Not from God, but the angel of the Lord said you did not withhold your son from me. So the question is very valid. All right, and here's a question for you, Taylor. They're, they're a little heavy, you, Taylor. So I don't want you thinking that I'm just asking, trying to get Taylor in a bind. Right. That certainly isn't the case. All right, uh, it says, uh, this is from Tyler B. Thank you so much for the question. The prophets are God's agents as well. How come the prophets never speak as though they are God Almighty? Yeshua does, and he's a prophet. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 and 19. I will raise up a prophet like you, talking about Moses, and I will put my words in him. And Jesus speaks directly as if he's um, like God, but he's not. So that's a false um, equivalence. Chris? Did Taylor just admit that Jesus gave that prophecy in Genesis 18? If so, that's a little offside. But yeah, I, I agree with this. There has not been one prophet that has ever said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. There's never been an angel say that I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. The only ones that you see is the angel of the Lord, which we know to be God, and to God that makes those actual claims to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. And here is a question for both of you. How would you explain the blessing of Jacob by God and by the and by the angel as a singular? May he bless the boys. Um. Yeah, God speaks through the um, angel, so God's doing the blessing. Then we see the angel speaking what God has said. I actually, All right. I, I actually believe that this is Jacob uh, asking uh, to bless the boys instead of God at that point, where Jacob's asking both of them to bless something. Um, I, I believe that that's the context of it. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Taylor understood what was going on there, but um, the blessings of Jacob by God and by the angel as a single is because they are 
given by the same person, the blessings. All right. And here's the final question of the night for Chris. In the term of the in the term angel of Yahweh, are angel and God in oppositional oppositional relationship this is are they interchangeable if so how can you determine this yeah so the term the angel of the lord is a specific term the malak of yahweh um it is a definite so it's the angel of the lord so it is not an angel of god so when it's speaking of the angel of the lord it's not speaking of a created being in the sense of an angel it's speaking as it's god so i don't have to use it interchangeably because the bible has uh explicitly shown that the angel of the lord or the angel of yahweh is god and not simply an angel yeah right, there's clearly a, there's clearly a relationship between them because god created all things so there is a um relationship between when the person is being sent if i am to for example i'm not saying i'm god but if i was to send a message through someone else i would be the person that they are doing it on behalf of for example i will be taylor and they are a messenger of taylor it's not saying that this is um this angel or um is Yehovah. he's simply doing a job that he's supposed to be doing because he's sent for a purpose by God. That is the relationship. God is God, and this is a worker of God. All right. Good stuff, guys. Excellent job, you guys. You guys did a great job in this debate and answering those questions from the audience, man. I do appreciate you guys, man. So that does conclude the debate. And I am looking forward to get you guys back on again, man. I think you guys conducted yourself in a very professional manner. The decorum was great. The conversation got the nails out a little bit, digging in a little bit. But that's that's expected during these type of debates, man. I do appreciate you guys for keeping it under control and not letting it get out of hand, man. Man, and um, just respecting the platform, man. Uh, that said, any final words before I shut this thing down? Um, I'll let you go first, Taylor. Sorry, yeah, I was, I was going to say um, you can go first, but um, uh, yeah, the, the only thing I can say is um, there's been points where you said I said something in the questions that I didn't say, like in regards to Jacob blessing. No, it was I was talking explicitly about how God blessed them and then. And the same blessing was then relayed through the angel. There was a couple of times he said something I said that I didn't say. But other than that, um, it's been a very good um, debate. And I appreciate the opportunity to you know, have All this right. conversation with us. Cool. Yeah. I, and for me, I, I just want to first off, thank you again, uh, Marlon, and, and also Taylor for allowing me to replace uh, Jeremy in his time of need. And I also pray that uh, Jeremy's uh, baby is grows up to be a godly man and or woman sorry i'm not sure what gender the baby is and i don't want to misgender um but is in in good health as well i know that uh, jeremy's going to be a good father because he's a, a lord fearing man uh so i just uh i pray that god blesses everybody that is in the channel uh thank you guys again and the audience you're an amazing people i love this channel hope to be on again soon marlon all right cool guys well i'm gonna let you guys go man once again thank you so much for joining me on a 200th episode of the gospel truth man and it was a doozy and i thank you guys for joining me man you guys take care and god bless all right
God bless. Take care. All right. God bless. All right, folks, man. Good stuff, right? Exciting. You know, this is this is like the first debate that I've had, or second debate that I had, I've had since I came back from paternity leave, you know? And it's a good one, man. And the guy that was supposed to debate, Jeremy, is had to take had to step out because he had a baby so it's good stuff man babies all over the place man ain't that a blessing that's such a good thing man and once again this debate was fantastic man this is this is what happens man you know when you get the unitarian and the trinitarian positions together you know that the nails are going to show a little bit you know the teeth are going to grind a little bit and that is expected when two people jump into the gospel truth octagon and they have such a passion for their position you expect these things right but i'm just glad that it didn't get out of control it didn't get hectic and you as the audience was able to engage with the debate and like i said we're on the 200th episode of the gospel truth and i could not have done this without you all right you guys are pushing me you guys are uh, supplying the financial needs for the ministry and it is by you guys support that any of this has happened right and I am just so thankful for you guys. And I do appreciate you guys so very much. So that said, anyone who's new to the channel, anyone who never been on the gospel truth, this is first time endeavor uh, and viewing of the gospel truth. I just want to encourage you, if you can, make sure if this, if this content is satisfying to you and you found that this debate that you view was a good one, and it was well moderated and overall it deserves your subscribe make sure you do that make sure you hit that subscribe button but uh, subscribe button and not only that make sure you hit that notification bell so that you stand a little what the gospel truth has going on because if, if you caught the beginning of the show i went over a bunch of announcements of shows that are coming up here in the future and you don't want to miss any of those shows that are coming up here in the future on the gospel truth so make sure you are viewing make sure you're subscribing make sure you're doing what you do have to do in order to stay in the loop with what the god truth has going on all right that said i'm gonna get out of here i'm about to scoot on shut this thing down and i thank you so much for viewing the god's truth make sure you tune in october 1st because i have matt slick and carlos xavier who are jumping on here and once again it's a unitarian versus trinitarian debate and that is gonna be fire so make sure you do not miss it please do not miss it that said I'm out of here. May God bless you and may God keep you. I'm gone.